Welcome to Astrology and Stuff, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Simpriti. Thank you for being here. Well, welcome, welcome to another special episode of Astrology and Stuff. Um, And this one is, yes, another episode that I recorded for my Patreon folks um, for the week of March 20th. And it's just another one of those weeks where um, this is important for everybody (laughs) to know. So I wanted to release it to the general public. Um, We are talking about specifically the happenings of the, um, the Aries Uh, ingress and the Aries new moon that happened on Monday and Tuesday, the 20th and 21st of March. Um, Even if you're listening to this after that, uh, you will hear in the podcast reasons why this is still an energy that we are experiencing and that that we can participate in. And the more conscious we are, not necessarily the more knowledgeable we are, but the more conscious we are of this specific astrology, um, the more comfortable we can be. So, um, (laughs) second being, uh, Pluto moved into Aquarius, um, yesterday, uh, Thursday, 23rd of March, um, because I am recording this Friday morning on the 20, on the 24th. Um, I talk a lot about this as well. Um, and then we also go into, um, Saturday, the 25th, Mars moves into Cancer and on the 26th, uh, Mercury is conjunct Chiron. Um, so yeah, sit back, relax. We will be back next week with our uh, continued foray through the signs. And until then, uh, send me your questions, send me your comments. How are you experiencing this astrology? But most of all, uh, just remember that we're all in this together. And I am so grateful for you for being here. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the subscriber-exclusive weekly transit talk of Astrology and Stuff. I'm Sinpriti. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And as always, thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, (laughs) y'all. It's like every week I come back saying, this is a big one. This is a big one. And uh, this might be the biggest one <laughs> of the last, um, goodness, I'll be dramatic. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be hyperbolic. The biggest week in astrology in the past year, um, I'm going to go out there and say that because so simply because a, oh, also, sorry, side note, my friend Squint, my cat, is going to be joining us today, apparently. <laughs> um, so if you hear him in the background chiming in, he too is feeling the fire of the Aries ingress. But anyway, so this week is so big because it's transformative on so many different levels in, in many, many different layers of our experience and our being. Um, it's a, it's a beginning of something. It's a shift into something. It's the beginning of a shift into something. Um, on some levels, very kind of micro, very immediate, very accessible. And then on other levels, very, 
uh, far out, very cosmic, very um, collective. You know, we've so we're dealing with both the individual and the collective. Massive change, massive initiation is the word that kept popping up for me um, on both the individual levels and the collective level. So let's get into some details. So you're joining me. If you're listening to this uh, as I'm recording or the week that I'm recording, this is the week of Monday, March 20th. And we, we start right out of the gate. Um, today, Monday, March 20th at about 1023 Eastern Standard Time, uh, Venus is conjunct the North Node at four degrees Taurus. So this this four degrees Taurus is interesting. It's um, it's going to show up a lot. Actually, it's next door to the degree that is going to show up in a lot in a few of our um, retrogrades. It's a pattern that's kind of ongoing through the year of 2023, which is five degrees Taurus. I'm speaking specifically um, the retrograde periods for um, Mercury in Taurus, when Mercury goes retrograde in Taurus, and then a little bit later when Jupiter goes retrograde uh, um, at five degrees. So uh, pardon me, let me just think about it. Yeah, five degrees Taurus. Um, so the North Node and Venus are both going to be conjunct at four degrees Taurus. Um, this is an indicator of our sensual self, our feelings, our the things, the mechanisms within our human that allow for us to develop a value system. This is what I want more of in my life. Uh, this is what I value. And here's what I'm going to consciously or unconsciously kind of just magnetize to me and become in, re- you know, this is what I want to be in relationship with. Okay, whether it is a way of being, whether it's a paradigm, whether it's a person, whether it's a an art form, whether it's uh, a career, what have you, Um, Venus coming this part of ourselves coming into direct contact with the North Node is we it's this this kind of collective because this is happening on the collective level as a transit. Go check out where. Um, you know, four degrees Taurus shows up in your chart. Uh, do the due diligence as, as far as where this is going to show up specifically in your chart. Um, maybe it already has, maybe four degrees Taurus has a, a relationship, an angular relationship with your Venus or with your North Node. That would be interesting. Um, personally, um, personal homework. My North Node is um, my North Node is 19 degrees Cancer, but my rising uh, my rising degree and sign is six degrees Cancer. So I can tell that four degrees Taurus, six degrees Cancer. There's a bit of a sextile relationship there, and so I am anticipating this formulation or this this to bring in as. Um, bring in the magic as long as I am conscious of that my life has a place for that type of magic. My, I am making room in my life for uh, that quote unquote magical support of the universe, right? Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there because I'm having a lot of internal, uh, uh, internal aha moments in real time right now <laughs> about that. Um, 
just an astrologer doing her own chart over here. Um, so the North Node is this indicator of expressed evolution in our lives. We we are souls embodying in human form in order to get shit done, in order to have experiences, in order to evolve. The main desire of the soul, so says evolutionary astrology, um, is to evolve, is to transform, is to transmute. And I would add, so that the soul may through all of these evolutions, through all of these experiences, through all of these alchemical transformations, experience greater and greater facets of self, of the soul self, right? Um, and therefore, get a, a bigger experience, a more whole, W-H-O-L-E, a more whole and realized and realistic experience of the self, okay? So this kind of drumbeat, this heartbeat of, of forward movement of that evolution, that desire to evolve um, and therefore experience uh, moving closer to the soul's expressed desires is the North Node, okay? Um, and so our value system and all of the mechanisms that we employ to experience a value system and to um, utilize a value system is going to match up for a day uh, or so with this collective sense of forward movement. And that this is a beautiful, in my opinion, this is a beautiful threshold across which the Aries ingress can move. Um, because a couple of hours later, so later today, uh, 5.25 Eastern Standard Time, uh, excuse me, Eastern Daylight Time, because that's confusing, is the Aries ingress. That's a fancy way of saying the beginning of Aries season. The sun moves into the sign of Aries. Um, so th every single year, we have, I've spoken about this in previous like podcast episodes, um, that we can, we can really cl lay claim to about five or six new years, <laughs> separate new years. There's the, um, there's one that we can say is at the winter solstice, um, where after the death has happened and we don't get growth yet, but there is this winter period of gestation. Um, maybe it begins at like that conception point of the winter solstice, very powerful. Uh, then the next new year we can have the, on the Gregorian calendar, January 1st, um, another new year opportunity we can have is the first lunar uh, the, the lunar new year or the first new moon of the year, which usually happens, um, you know, very, very late January or February sometime. Um, and then the fourth opportunity that we can have is the zodiacal new year. We can also call this the energetic new year, uh, because we, as, as, you know, sons and daughters and else, um, we are all children of this earth and this earth uh, has a set of cycles that we, that are a part of us in our DNA and hopefully in our lives. And spring is the, the, the Aries ingress is the first day of spring. 
and we follow the earth. Okay. We can't help but follow the earth. So this is a new, that the seasonal new year of the, the newness of spring can also be uh, described as the energetic new year. Um, because underlying that we're moving into the zodiacal new year. And, and, you know, the more we pay attention to these archetypes, the more we pay attention, um, or just embody, uh, our natal chart, the more we're, we're, Unconsciously or consciously, many times both, we are um, investing in this 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 way of of being in time, in the time cycles. Um, and Aries is the is it rules the first house naturally. Um, it um, it is the first sign of the zodiac. So yes, we have by Pisces giving way the most mutable of the mutable, uh, signs. Pisces has finally given way today to the new beginning of Aries. So Aries ruled by the planet Mars. We can anticipate, um, and I'm going to shoehorn in the Aries new moon because we're really dealing with one blob of energy (laughs) here as far as our human is concerned, right? As far as what we're being able to feel and, and, and experience because Tuesday, 21st of March at uh, about 122 in the afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time. We have the Aries new moon at, which is really cool, zero degrees Aries. Okay. So this new moon is bringing into, it's bringing down. I'm really kind of visualizing that anytime we have a new moon at zero degree um, or any, any, like a full moon or a new moon at zero degree, but specifically, what is it, Squint? Um, specifically a new moon at z- a zero degree of the sign. It's a, cause a new moon is the, is the beginning of the new lunar cycle. Zero is the beginning of technically, okay. So technically one is the beginning and zero is the quantum zero. It can be argued is the most powerful degree number of um, of the thirty degrees of a sign because it holds much like twenty nine the last the final degree number is extremely powerful in different ways. Zero holds pure potentiality. If you want to think about it in quantum, this is like going into the quantum realm of zero degrees of any sign, but especially. Um, this, the very first sign, because at zero degrees Aries, it is the first moment, the first speck of moment that we have entered into a new cycle and we aren't even fully formed yet at zero degrees Aries. We haven't even made it to the numbers yet. We're simply in this placeholder of zero zero degrees Aries. It's the beginningest of the beginning of the beginning. Okay. Um, and mostly because this is a new moon. So this new moon, and again, I am focusing anytime that I speak to the power or the significance of a transit, it is not to say 
So buckle up, buttercups, go get this, go get that. We've got work to do, da 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 It's not that. If your life has place for a lot of... Um, if you're in a place in your life where where you there's a lot of ceremony holding, there's a lot of sacred space holding, there's a lot of ritual, there's a lot of craft work, then absolutely do everything on this new moon. If you have clarity on what you are here to do in the next six months, then use the energy of this new moon to do all of the bring out all the bells and whistles, okay? Yeah, now Squint has the zoomies. Um, He agrees. (laughs) However, if you are not in a place where you can set aside two hours today and two hours tomorrow to do meditation and journal work and ritual and, you know, cleansings and things of that nature, don't worry about it. Know, simply know that by... Simply know and trust that your awareness of these transits are enough to bring you into conscious alignment with the power that the transits themselves hold, okay? So I would advise setting aside, if not a meditation, a time to meditate, a time to be in the stillness of this quantum time, this zero, zero time, then to, um, okay, so for instance, I'm busy, busy, busy. I'm busy today. I'm busy, busy, busy tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to, I might this evening be able to like at the moment of um, Aries ingress, like set aside 15 minutes to do a meditation. That's But that's like the most, okay? And then tomorrow I work during the new moon. I work for eight hours and it's across the new moon and across that window. Um, So for instance, I have, um, this morning I woke up and I felt kind of that desire to be calmer, that desire for the affirmations. Like I, I, I never listen really to Eckhart Tolle. I love what he has to say and I recommend him a lot and his channelings and his teachings a lot, but this, I don't really, he's not, I haven't utilized his sound current, uh, specifically and like gone after it this morning. It was all about like, Oh, I'm going to do some breath work. I'm going to meditate like sit and meditate. I want to sit in stillness with my eyes closed and meditate. And then I'm going to do my journal practice, listening to Eckhart Tolle. Cause if you know him, it's like white noise, it, but it's, but it's super elevated white noise. Like a, a lot of those, those types, they can kind of invigorate you and, and help you feel more capable and therefore more energetic, not Eckhart Tolle. He like, he he pauses more than he speaks <laughs> in his in his audios and in his like YouTube videos. So there's a lot of space there and there's a lot of calmness there. There's a lot of peace and space. And that's what this moment to me and therefore what I'm bringing out into the world that's what I feel like this 48 hours is truly all about and where, or where the power lies is the more space that you can hold 
for the present moment, the more power you experience. Because Aries is all about self-agency, self-identity, the power to be able to initiate something from the central self. Ruled by Mars. And if you go into your chakra teachings, Mars rules the third chakra, that solar plexus chakra, that seat of the will. And so one thing that having a sun in Aries myself, it's it's three degrees, so this is very close for me, um, is Aries needs space. Aries needs a lot of space to, I picture like a dog or a, a horse running around out there in the fields, just galloping, 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 and room to sniff and room to explore and room to run. And, um, and so one of the significance, again, I'll underline of this new moon, this beginning uh, of a beginning of a beginning, new moon in zero, zero Aries, uh, is that I think the most powerful thing we can do for ourselves strategically is to give ourselves space. And so, yes, we might be feeling a shit ton of fire moving through, kind of some gasoline on the fire, gasoline in the tank uh, after the, oh my God, just all all the wetness of Pisces. Yes, and can we move into this fire with a mindfulness that understands that Aries, perhaps Aries' greatest power is the power of being in the present moment because there is nothing before Aries. And the first thing that Aries arguably gets to experience is time. And as we do our Aries work of self-identifying creating more space for self-agency, it starts with the present moment. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, so yes, to re- but to reiterate the times, um, Monday, March 20th, Aries Ingress, 5.25 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, Tuesday, 21st of March, 1.22 p.m. Eastern Time, Aries New Moon at zero degrees, Aries. And then a few days later, Thursday, 23rd of March, um, Pluto moves into Aquarius until June 11th. And then Pluto is going to go retrograde and move back into Capricorn until um, January of 2024. So January of next year. But we get kind of this eight, nine, 10 week weeks uh, a window of Pluto being in a completely different sign. So here we go with everything that I spoke, I've spoken to up until now, the Venus, the Aries ingress, the Aries new moon is very kind of hyper-personal. It's very individual, I should say. It's extremely individual. The Pluto moving into Aquarius is the most collective that we can get. Pluto is our farthest away planet. 
in evolutionary astrology, Pluto represents the seat of the soul. So if we want to see like your most ancient, eternal, limitless, um, unbound by time, uh, experiences and decisions and, and flavors in your natal chart, we're going to look to your Pluto. We're going to look to what sign it's in. We're going to look to what house it's in and what relationship Pluto has to the other planetary bodies and points in your natal chart. So when we talk about Pluto moving signs, really we're talking about like these um, 15 to 20 year swaths of time that create these mini generations. Um, so if you think back to your natal chart, think about what sign you're, and if you've had a, a natal chart reading with me, I've brought this up to you about your Pluto. Pluto creates mini generations where these we get to embody with a very specific set of skills <laughs> um, via our Pluto that we utilize to change, to initiate and alchemize change and evolution within, within us individually. But if you've got like an entire generation of people born under this, for instance, me, Pluto and Libra, you've got all those people making soul level individual shifts and evolution, it becomes a collective phenomenon, right? If you've got that many people, i.e. everybody, arguably, um, doing, being led by their soul, by the, the drumbeat of the desires of their soul and making similar feeling decisions in their life to heal, to create, to iterate, et cetera, it's going to become, it's not just an individual thing anymore. It becomes a collective thing. And so the last time we experienced a Plutonian shift was in 2008 when Pluto moved from Sagittarius into Capricorn. And immediately we could argue all shit broke loose with all like the most Capricornian structures of our lives that we have created, i.e. the financial system and um, the housing market, uh, the banks, um, big, these like big monster companies, right? Like hugely, hugely, hugely monstrous. The, the largest corporations we could, we can really think of were um, massively transforming, okay? Um, and th I think it started out pretty concrete th and it, by the end of, of Capricorn, uh, Pluto and Capricorn, it has ended arguably very, uh, metaphysical. Like people are, it, it had to start with parts of our world crumbling, parts of our reality crumbling before our eyes in order, in order for us to do the inner work. And that's Pluto's, that's Pluto's main deal. Like in, in Roman mythology, Pluto is the Lord of the underworld. Um, Pluto is very different. I'm going to, a little aside, Pluto is very different from Hades. So Hades is the Lord of the under, the God of the underworld in Greek mythology. It shifted once it moved to Rome. Um, and Hades became Pluto. Pluto became much more of like a, a, a rich bitch, you know, in, in Roman mythology. Um, it's much more, whereas Hades is, um, you, th this is actually to me a very interesting rabbit hole as far as like the psychology and the culture differentiations between Greece and then, you know, hundreds to thousands of years later, Rome, 
Um, and like the alchemy that happened as, you know, Greeks who moved to, to Italy and to Rome and then, you know, Romans themselves, just kind of the evolution that happened to the Pantheon that we base so many of our archetypes on, um, these kind of collective knowings of, well, there's just these energies and there's these forces of nature. And then there's these experiences that all kind of can be, uh, collated and categorized under these separate umbrellas, i.e. Pluto. Yes, he is Lord of the Underworld, but he's Lord of the Underworld not so much about from like, he's like Satan and and hell and you don't want to go there when you die. Um, you have to do everything in your power to be a good person in order to escape this fate. It wasn't like that. It's Pluto is the Lord of the Underworld and all that the earth contains, right? All of the gold, all of these like natural resources, all of the crystals, all of the gems, all of that, including all of the souls. It's like this, this, this force of nature that is inevitable and incredibly, incredibly rich. So let's think about Pluto, uh, you know, that experience what happens when our maybe not conscious, not visible, not even necessarily tangible, but this knowledge of inevitability and also supreme richness, i.e. having a soul, knowing on some level that we are more than, or we are our yeah, more, not more hierarchically, but more like colored outside the lines, more than our body, not better than our body, but just there's more than what meets the eye. There is a, yes, there's a a, a terrifying realization in that, that there is another, there are many other worlds besides just what our senses can, can grasp, but that's also very rich, right? There's an abundance there. There's like, Oh my gosh, if if I'm not limited, if if there is another experience that I can be having outside of like what literally my eyes can see and my fingers can touch and my nose smells, what there is a limit then there must be also a limitlessness to my power. If I if I can have an experience outside of these boundaries, if that is available to me, what isn't available to me? So there's like a reach in our Pluto that does not exist, cannot exist, should not exist in all of the other you know, embodied planets. Um, so when we talk about Pluto, we are talking about so many things, but we're really, as far as like what is the first, you know, initially the most tangible experience of our Pluto is power is the sense of power. And so we've got this set, this collective sense of power that has been focused on big business corporations, the, the, the biggest structures that we can think of, uh, in our reality, hyper, hyper, hyper focused. And all of these structures, I, I dare say nobody has escaped, the microscope of Pluto in Capricorn since 2008 for the last 15 years. 
And so that focus is moving into the sign of Aquarius. And Aquarius is first and foremost, what's the tagline? Freedom from the known. Holy shit. So my feeling of this is initially, (laughs) initially Pluto moving out of Capricorn into um, uh, Aquarius. And, And for such a slow moving planet, initially can mean like for the first five years, that kind of thing. This isn't like a week to week thing. I mean, it might be, I, I'm not here to uh, eradicate any sort of prediction, <laughs> but that, that's what, I'm, what you're hearing in my voice. That is a lot of this vibe of like, well, who knows? Anything could happen, right? <laughs> um, when, we tran- when we translate, when we evolve our like deepest sense of power, i.e. like the power of always feeling the earth underneath you, having the solidness, like, yes, Pluto's the underworld, but it's the entire underworld. There's such a solidness there. There's such a depend, not human dependability, but dependability, but like soul level dependability of like, this is me. I'm never, I'm never not going to have my soul. I've never been, not been, you know, part, uh, I've never not had my soul as a part of me and I never will. Okay. That kind of solidness, that eternity is shifting from, um, from a sign of solidness and building things and processes and bones and structures into one whose bumper sticker is freedom from the known. That's crazy. It's going to feel, I feel like it's going to feel like a free fall initially. It's going to be that whole thing of like, um, especially these two things together, Aries season. Um, and honestly, new moon at zero, zero Aries, uh, means that there's a huge chunk of this energy that's beginning today and tomorrow that is going to extend for the next six months. It's always like that. Like if you have a new moon in whatever sign, it's initiating a six month process until the full moon in that sign. So IE, we have a new moon in Aries this month in March. Um, six months from now in September, we're going to have a, a full, we're going to have, when it's Libra season, we're going to have a full moon in Aries. So I pause it, and especially especially because during that time, Pluto's going to be, I believe, Pluto's going to be going retrograde. I believe it's going to be entering back into Capricorn during this six-month period. So we've got this on the individual level. We've got this Aries initiation of like, ooh, brave new world. Put me in, coach. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm receiving from the quantum Okay, aligning with my desires. Okay, what are my desires? Okay, let's put it in action. Let's initiate. Let's let's self actualize. Blah blah blah. Let's kind of throw our dicks around and and you know be be powerful, be penetrative, that kind of thing. Very Mars. Um, and at the same time, deeper and more collectively, we've got this this shift of power, like capital P power, moving from Capricorn to Aquarius and then kind of back into Capricorn until finally into Aquarius, January of next year. 
it's almost like this feeling of jumping out of the plane and sewing your parachute at the same time. There's, there's a free fall of freedom from the known of Aquarius. Aquarius is this massive expanding power. Technically it's an expanding energy after the, the inner, um, after the feminine of Capricorn, that the earth sign of Capricorn, it's the, we're once again, back in the masculine expansive, uh, air sign of Aquarius and, and much like fixed fire Leo, it's not meant, the, the expansion is meant to be not necessarily contained, but it's meant to be fixed. It's meant to be like this continuously, continuous experience of expansion. It's almost like, so if you don't live at the beach, like on the beach, um, you're in a part of the world where, you, so I live inland about a couple of hours and we get breezes, we get winds, of course, but they ebb and they flow. And one of the things that sensorially is so, is so, um, different for me, um, sensory wise, when I do visit the beach and I'm like out on the coast and, and by the water and stuff like that is the constancy of the wind. It's never not blowing. It's never still, unless you've got like this you know, giant storm that's just like right there and the pressure's changing and all that. But usually it's a constant wind. That's why typically babies don't like it very much out there. But um, that's kind of what this feels to me is it's, it's expansion, it's change, it's movement, but it's, there's a constancy to the movement. It's always, you're always feeling it. And that's the fixedness of it. It's, it's meant to be here now. Um, so Pluto in Aquarius, this deals with, we move from, you know, one person being in power, you know, that authority figure Capricorn into power to the people. Uh, that's Aquarius. Okay. Aquarius is the sign of revolution. Aquarius, you know, Scorpio is a sign of evolution. Uh, it's square, it's fixed square. Aquarius is sign is the sign of revolution, of rebellion, of disruption, of I've said it before of that Kool Aid man coming through that wall. Oh yeah, here it is, for the sake of uh, the betterment of the collective. So that's the, I, that's the value system of Aquarius, where it comes through. For us right now, people can't stop talking about technology. People can't stop talking about AI. Um, the, and these are very, very, spe- when they talk about Aquarius, uh, because these are very specific and very usable and tangible and immediate uh, expressions of that Aquarian uh, nature of new, now, next, and, um, and of thinking outside the box, um, even though he was, I think he was an, I forget what Steve, what Steve Jobs sign was. Uh, but he and I, I was shocked when I learned that he, he and I share the same energy type and, uh, profile, uh, in human design. He's a, um, 
6.3 generator. And, and if you Google that and you find a different, uh, different answer, then I was mis, I was mistaken. I, I listened to some misinformation, but I, I remember the information that I did receive is that he was a 6.3 generator. And, um, and he, I always talk about him. He wasn't an Aquarius son, but I always talk about him when I talk about Aquarius because it's like IBM and the, 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 the setup, the tradition, the traditionality of computers and of that type of technology in the world, it looked a very certain way, you know, open to very certain people doing very minimum things in, in Steve Jobs' mind. He came through, he came into IBM and he blew that shit up. And then he started his own company and he blew that up. And he did it three or four times, major, major times, famously, right? In or because he knew he had that vision, maybe not so clearly at the beginning um, as to produce what he produced at the end, but he knew what capital T technology was here to do. And it was for, it was to be as accessible as possible. It was for, he had that collective mindset so that I am recording this on a laptop that, you know, he designed and all of his people designed and helped build. And I'm looking at my phone and I'm, I have, I literally have all the information in the world at my fingertips because he rolled through and blew up a bunch of businesses and pissed off a lot of people. I love the quote sometimes attributed to Gloria Steinem, but who knows? Um, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. I feel that, honestly, I've been feeling that from Pluto and Capricorn ending, you know, it's, I've just, I think we've, a lot of us have just felt that Pluto and Aquarius has been on, we're on the threshold of it for, for at least five years now. And it's been a lot of the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And I think we've been individually experiencing this in greater and greater numbers since like the 60s. And now it's going for the next 20 years until 2043, it's just going to become unavoidable and more and more collective. This, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. So I think initially we've got some some layers of... Um, just being pissed off by that, 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 that impulsion to evolve and looking around. That's part of, that's, I think it's a whole thing of evolution is first getting really pissed off at what you see around you. That's a part of, of having, that's a whole kit and caboodle of having the desire to change is part of it. Like you look around and you're like, fuck this shit this isn't right or this doesn't feel good anymore. And it's this, it's the fire that, that gives you that genius to then iterate what is the next thing. And I'll put a pin in Pluto and uh, in Aquarius with this, that there, there's no end game. There's no end game 
There is simply, again, now. This is, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And another cliche, um, it's not the destination, it's the journey. <laughs> but though all of those are cliches for a reason, because I think we, I, and I'm part of this, we look to, especially those of us in like the, the yoga community and the awakening community and the new age community and la la la, la all of those, we, the self-improvement community, um, we look, it, there can be a chance to look at the next transit whether it is Saturn in Pisces or Pluto in Aquarius or, you know, Mars, for the love of God, finally coming out of Gemini, um, that it's like, oh, when this happens, then, then it'll feel good. Then we'll be happy. Then we'll be done. Then the world will be new. Then this is this. Then that is that. And it's just another version of us uh, prorating our our happiness to another moment, making our happiness and our health and our experience of unconditional love and unconditional self-acceptance and oneness in the way that we're supposed to be one, um, we're putting that off to another day. We're making it conditional. And so I'm going to take this moment um, on this, you know, pre-equinox in a couple hours, pre-new moon, and just lay claim to that, my, that my health and my happiness and my experience of a better world, capital B, capital W, is not dependent upon any particular transit. And what that does, it doesn't divest me from doing the work necessary to embody my soul's desires, which include creating a better world. It doesn't divest me from that. It frees me from attaching myself to a particular outcome onto a particular timeline. And it allows for flow to happen and allows for creativity to happen. Um, And it allows me to bring into each present moment the full potentiality of my health, of my happiness, of my capacity to help create a better world, first individually and internally, and then, because physics, externally. It'll be reflected back to me. And so will the tools that will enable others to feel lighter and to feel more free so they can do that for themselves. Okay, sermon over. Um... Then we've got on Saturday, 25th of March in the morning, Mars moves into Cancer. So Mars has been in Gemini for the past billion years. Um, Just kidding. Uh, End of August, uh, 2022. It had that retrograde period, October 30th to January 12th. Honestly, those dates are emblazoned on my brain. (laughs) um, And then we're finishing out and Mars finally moves into Cancer. So where is Cancer in your, where has Mars been hanging out in Gemini in your chart? For me, it's been the 12th house, um, which is why it's felt very everything, everywhere, all at once, but inside. Um, And then, so where is Gemini in your chart? What house? Uh, What shifts and changes and like, uh, what what the the new levels of impatience and therefore 
practiced patience, new levels of practiced patience, um, just new levels of impatience that you've been confronted with that you've had to, through blood, sweat, and tears, or maybe more grace, good for you, um, alchemize and learn patience and learn the, and learn gratitude and learn accepting the present moment, right? Um, so this is moving into cancer. Where is that in your chart? Uh, where are, uh, cancer is the, the emotional realm. Like we've talked about on the podcast in the, uh, Gemini cancer episode. Cancer is where we come home to ourselves for the very first time as a separate self from the rest of consciousness. It's where our ego is formed. Um, that very, very good and important structure that allows us to have an inner life. Okay. So expect a lot of emotional upgrades. Yay. <laughs> but they're not going to be solely mental, right? Cause, oh my God. Yes. Mars is, Mars isn't unhappy in Gemini, but damn, uh, um, having, having kind of the gas turned down on the mental realm for a wee moment is going to be very, very, very nice. And I believe, let me check my notes here. I believe while Mars is in, yes. Okay. So while Mars is in cancer, we've got our next Mercury retrograde in Taurus. So just anticipate, and that happens April into May, I believe. Um, obviously I'll be back with, once it gets closer with, with more attuned dates and we'll talk a lot more about it. But if you've been running on fumes because the fire's been turned up so high, probably in your head (laughs) and in your thought world, um, for the last couple of months, um, know that rest is coming and it's going to feel slow. It's going to feel um, kind of stodgy probably, but honestly, guys, in comparison to what it's been for the last seven months, I'm here for slow and I know I'm going to get into it and be happy for about 24 hours and then get very uncomfortable and worried and hypervigilant. But you know what? Sitting where I am now, I'm really looking forward to slow and stodgy wins the race because I'm looking forward to a break. Um, But it's going to be one that requires, uh, you know, self-agency, self-care in the emotional realm. So that happens March 25th. And then Sunday, 26th of March in the afternoon here, Eastern time, finally Mercury is conjunct Chiron. And so anticipate, um, so last week, week before, we had Jupiter and Venus conjunct Chiron. So Mercury conjunct Chiron is going to be a lot of the work that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks that felt very big and very perhaps painful. Um, that th- we're going to get some sense. We're going to get like some cognitive sense made from that. And we're going to be able to, maybe we can write about it. Maybe we can uh, have really incredible conversations about this whole healing work that we've been doing. Um, yes. Okay. So that is it, quote unquote, it for the week of 20th of March. Um, I am going to be releasing this episode uh, as the weekly episode on um, on all the platforms on Wednesday. So thank you, patrons. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me the chance to just be in front of an audience. And because um, that my 10th my house son just loves that and gets a lot, not just loves it, but just gets a lot from it. Um, so I thank you. Thank you. And if you're listening to this as a part of the podcast, not as a part of the Patreon, and you're interested, go to my link and bio on, uh, on my Instagram, uh, Sampriti Life, and you can sign up for the Ye old Patreon or go to, uh, Patreon and search for astrology and stuff podcast. I've got two tiers there. One just helps you support the show so that we can continue to do more episodes. And the second tier just for $5 a month allows for you to get weekly bonus episodes just like this one. And thank you for your generosity again to my patrons and matrons. That is it for today. And as always, thank you for being here. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Sampriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here. <laughs>